All right. Well, today, I'm glad to be back. Sorry I missed you guys last week. We had some sickness running through the hearty house. Uh, but we're back and feeling vigorous and healthy and ready to roll. And um, before I jump in the message today, I just want to give a shout out to our men's event we had yesterday. Um, we had 60 plus men jump in yesterday, and it was awesome. We got to eat some food. We got to talk about what does it mean to be a brother, a husband, a father, and it was really powerful and a lot of fun. And uh, we got to do a little jousting session at the end of the day, which I lost to this young man right over here. That's why he's smiling so big. Um, in the second round, I was a little disappointed, um, but it's okay. My family wasn't there to see it, so it's okay. Uh, but um, it was a lot of fun. And uh, we had a blast being together as men, and I just want you to know, man, God is moving, and we are reigniting the men again. So there is, in a sense, in a spiritual sense, a call to arms, and uh, we at Antioch are wanting to cultivate a culture where men are able to be clear again about biblical manhood, about masculinity, how does God define that, and then how can we rally together and walk in relationship together as iron sharpens iron, that's the desire. So if you're a man in this house, um, we would love you to jump in the next time we do something, and it'd be great. And ladies, I'm just going to throw this out there. We care about you too. There are things happening and being planned, and I'll throw one little nugget out. There's a women's retreat happening in late April. We'll get you dates on that soon, but that's official. So that's going to be for seniors in college, women, and up. And so if you're a senior, you have the opportunity to Register for that. It's going to be a one-night retreat in late April. And for all of you young adult and family moms out there, uh, just go ahead and book the weekend and tell your husband, hey, you're in charge. I trust you. I'm going away. So um, you should do that. It's going to be awesome. All right. Well, hey, um, a couple weeks ago, I shared about this 22-day fast that we are in, this three-week fast that we are in, and that we kicked off. And some of you guys were here. Some weren't here. But I just want to share a little brief recap of kind of where we are in that. We got one week to go, and so if you've been uh, fasting with us, um, then we got one week left. We're going to end it next Sunday. But, um, you know, as we were talking as senior pastors across the Antioch movement, if you're not aware, we're part of a, a movement of churches uh, that stretch across the U.S. and around the world. And we, uh, people got together and said, hey, what are we, what is God saying and felt very clearly we needed to enter into a, a more or less three-week fast, 22-day fast for 2022, and to jump in together and do it together. And so when we say fast, you can define that different ways. For this particular fast, what we have asked people to invite them into, we invite you into it right now. Even if you're like, hey, I just got here, we'll jump in for this last week and fast with us. But we're asking people to pray and ask God about what could I fast from in the realm of food? What could I fast from in the realm of media? And what could I fast from in the realm of lifestyle? So just saying, God, I want to create space for you. That's really what fasting is, is to create space for God to speak to you, for you to connect with him, and to kind of put a lot of distractions that necessarily aren't all bad, the things that, 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 we, uh, that, that we take as, as maybe comforts or conveniences, put them away and say, Lord, I want to create extra space for you because we're all super busy in this world and this society. So it's been extremely beneficial for my family. Uh, personally, we're doing a, a, a complete media fast. So that's no devices, no shows, no, uh, no uh, game consoles, none of that sort of stuff. 
And it's been great for my kids because they've rediscovered the outdoors. Uh, and it's been awesome. They've come up with all sorts of clever things we've been doing. It's been great. And the first few days are hard, but now it's just, it's the norm. So I just want to encourage you, no matter what age, I would strongly encourage you to consider taking a break from some form of media or all of it, whether it be social or shows or whatever else, to say, hey, just take a break. I think you'll realize, wow, I'm so locked into this stuff, I didn't realize how much is consuming my life. And so I just want to encourage you guys um, that that could be extremely beneficial. We heard from, from one mom who, who has jumped into the fast, and it was like the first three or four days of the fast, and she let us know. She said, hey, I jumped in on the fast. I've gotten off social media for these three weeks, and I didn't realize how much time I spent on social media. I just finished a 400-page book in three days. She was like, I just, I just had no grid for it, you know? So I'm telling you, we have to be able to say, Lord, help me set aside things to know what it is you're saying and expose some place in my life that maybe need some adjustments. We'd love for you to jump in with us, but specifically um, uh, kind of uh, uh, the word the Lord is giving us as a movement to really pray into is this idea of the boiler room. You see, um, last year, uh, kind of the imagery that we got was that God was conscripting the Antioch movement just like the Queen Mary for such a time as this. The Queen Mary was this very large cruise liner ship uh, that was in existence before World War II. It was just beautiful. It was the largest ship of its kind. It was the fastest uh, cruise ship. And during the war, the Allied forces actually conscripted the Queen Mary which means then they kind of hijacked and said, hey, we're going to take it, we're going to strip it down and convert it into a military vessel that can, that can actually be a troop carrier and transporting troops from America across the Europe to help fight the war. So they stripped it down, converted it, and I forgot how many hundreds of thousands of troops were actually transported on the Queen Mary from America over to Europe to help in the war effort. So God kind of highlighted the Queen Mary. Then again, going to this year, highlighting the idea that, man, God is wanting us to really reignite the boiler room. And so what's the boiler room, right? Well, the boiler room on the Queen Mary was the room where all the engine, where all the coal, all the stuff got put in to the furnaces so the thing could actually move and go. And what they said as, as people studied it is the boiler room on that ship, it was state of the art. And it was the thing that powered the Queen Mary, this massive boat, to move so quickly. It moved so fast that the German U-boats could not sink it. They were unable to catch up to it because of the speed of it. And that was unprecedented. So they were able to carry troops back and forth without it being sunk. In fact, Hitler had several orders and bounties, more or less, with very large rewards for any of the U-boats that could actually sink the ship. And none of them could actually get to it. So we had this idea of, of, of us being, being this troop carrier to spread the gospel across the nations. And by the way, the boiler room has to be ignited, has to be going. Because if not, it's just a big boat as a sitting duck. So we as a people said, okay, God, what does that look like? And specifically, it is a pressing in in the realm of prayer and intercession as a people. To start praying again and say, God, what does it look like for the church to really be a praying church? Not a people that just text back on a group me when someone says they're sick and says, praying for you. Because you don't really pray. You just say, it's, it's like saying, hi, how's your day? And you're having a terrible day? It's fine. It's not fine. You know, you're lying, right? So I've, I have tried to stop texting, I'm praying for you, unless I'm actually going to pray for you right then. 
because I'm not going to pray for you later. There's other things going on. I just moved on. You know what I'm saying? So we want to be people that actually pray. So we are in conversations about that. What does that look like? And part of that right now is in this fast, we've designated six times specifically for us to gather together to pray. So we are doing Tuesday mornings at 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. up here at the church. This Tuesday we'll be here at 6.30, 7.30. And then Thursdays from 12 to 1. So if you've got the lunch hour. So if you are here, we'd love for you to come with us either Tuesday morning or Thursday at 12 to 1. Jump in. We're going to pray and worship and hear God together for that hour as we continue on in this fast. And again, it'll culminate uh, next Sunday as we end our time. And it's been really encouraging to hear some of the stories that are happening across the country with other people that are fasting uh, during this time. So we're excited about what God is doing, but we felt like it started out with us needing to worship and pray and fast so that God can really prepare our hearts for what is to come. All right. Well, today... We're going to jump into something that is kind of tied in with the fast because a couple weeks ago I shared that really what we're praying for is not only, Lord, would you ignite the boiler room in us so we can be full steam ahead, but Lord, we are praying for hunger and freedom and power. So that's what we've been saying is that during this fast, we are saying, God, I want you to create an extra place of hunger in me. So when you fast, you take things away. You're like, oh, I'm hungry for that. It's like, Lord, you feel that hunger. Lord, remind me, whenever my belly's hungry, whenever if I'm giving up sweets or, or caffeine or whatever I'm doing, Lord, whenever I have that itch to like, oh, I need that, Lord, remind me that I want to be satisfied in you alone. Lord, remind me, I want to hunger for you. So we've been asking, Lord, to hunger, put the hunger again in our hearts for you. We've been asking God for freedom, freedom from addiction, freedom from uh, bitterness, freedom from all sorts of things. And we're going to dive more into that today. And then power. God, come in power. Just in the day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit, power, come and empower us again. You heard that testimony from Katie. Lord, let us lay hands on the sick and see fire running through their veins and healing them. Lord, let us believe again for the miracles. Let us not chalk everything up to just the logic, but let us say, God, you be God. Let us be man and woman and let us press in and have the faith to believe you can move mountains. God, stir us again to see you move in a mighty way that we don't even comprehend that we don't understand. God, allow their mystery to come again because we want the power of God in our midst. We can't just practically figure it all out. That is a part of it. But there is a place for us to obey and hear God and to go for it and to believe for the impossible again. So Lord, stir up the faith in us again so that we can believe for the impossible. So today, I wanna focus in on that element of freedom, on freedom. Now also within this fast, I was on a call uh, just uh, about a week and a half ago with several other senior pastors. We were talking in the midst of this fast, what is God saying? And it was brought up again that as we're preparing for this year, that several different people highlighted and said, hey, it, we, we're really getting the sense that God's going to highlight that 2022 feels a lot like 1972, that it feels a lot like it did 50 years ago. I just want to share a couple of things. In 1972, you had the Vietnam War. People were confused and worn down as the Vietnam War would finally come to an end in 1974. Just this last year, the Afghanistan War that really ran at least about 20 years since my freshman year in college finally wrapped up and people are still confused and reeling and thinking, what did we really do and how is it that we left in that way and everything else? There's a confusion and a concern about it. 
Also, in the 1970s, tensions were still very high between Russia and the U.S., between the Soviet Union and the U.S. Richard Nixon was our president at the time, and in 1972, he was the first U.S. president to ever travel to Moscow to go have talks with their leader at the time, Brezhnev. And the leaders at that time, they signed the Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty and the Strategic Arms Limitation Treaty, known as SALT, as an agreement to stave off nuclear war. But tensions were very high with Russia. You had the Watergate scandal. So where there's political mistrust with elected officials. Today, we see that still. There are voting rights uh, arguments. There are mistrust with officials. There is a question of, are political people actually representing the people or just representing special interests? Is there really a vote that we have? People are losing faith in the political process. In the 1972, you were at the height of the sexual revolution. You had the acceptance and promotion of sex outside of marriage, including the promotion of homosexuality and pornography. You had Roe versus Wade. The abortion case deliberations began, and the court decision was finally made in January of 1973. Our world today is rampant with sexual morality from human trafficking to every other kind. It's a lot like 1972. But in the midst of all of that chaos, there was an event called Explo 72, known as the most visible event of the Jesus movement. It was orchestrated by Campus Crusade for Christ, and Billy Graham was there and others, and what they would do is they would gather nightly for six nights at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, and it was filled to the brim, and it was predominantly high school and college students, and they were worshiping and praying and crying out to God for a revival to happen in our country, all the while being trained in how to evangelize and share their faith. The results of this culmination of the Jesus movement and this Explo 72 were several different pieces we experienced today. A result of it was that people actually started dressing a little more casually when they went to church. They dressed down. Modern worship began to evolve. At that time, it was mostly just choirs and churches. So people started incorporating bands and other uh, forms of music when they worship, which gave birth to things like Hillsong and Passion and Bethel and Elevation today. You had a zeal to evangelize and boldly share the gospel that wasn't present for decades in America especially with those that were marginalized in the society. Those who were left over, people would go to them, to Jesus' movement, and would go and share the gospel with them. There was a desire to be equally grounded in God's word and in the work of the Holy Spirit. It was a both and, spirit and truth, working together. And there was an increased awareness in the result of the Jesus' movement of Jesus coming back. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. People became aware he is coming again, we need to let people know that Jesus Christ has already come and that he's coming again one day. So when you look back at 1972 to 2022, that's a 50-year gap. So what does the number 50 mean in the Bible? Well, it mainly pertains to two main things, which is Pentecost, which would be 50 days after resurrection is when that Sunday is celebrated, and it would be for Jubilee. So that's where I wanna take us today to look at Jubilee. The word jubilee literally means ram's horn. Ram's horn in Hebrew, right? You wouldn't have guessed that, right? Well, it's defined in Leviticus 25, 9. As the sabbatical year after seven cycles of seven years, which is 49 years, doing the math for you. The 50th year 
was to be a time of celebration and rejoicing for the Israelites. The ram's horn, what happened is it was blown on the 10th day of the seventh month to start the 50th year of universal redemption. Now, I want to break this down a little bit for you, and we'll get into some more scriptures in just a moment. This was the Day of Atonement. The day they celebrated Jubilee, the day that ram's horn was blown for the Israelites was a day of atonement known as Yom Kippur. And on that day, the high priest was to perform elaborate rituals to atone for the sins of the people. That's why it's called the Day of Atonement. Now, part of this ceremony involved two goats. One was to be sacrificed because of the uncleanness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sins have been. And its blood was sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant. So that was goat one. The second goat was actually used as a scapegoat. What would happen is the high priest would place his hands on its head and confessed over it the sins of the people and the rebellion of the Israelites and their wickedness. And then that goat was to then leave that temple area with an appointed man who released it into the wilderness, known as a scapegoat. The goat carried on itself all the sins of the people, which were forgiven for one more year. This is what they did every single year on the Day of Atonement. So why does that matter? Why do two goats matter, the Day of Atonement, tying it back to the year of Jubilee? Well, because what it foreshadowed was the sufficiency and the fullness, the completeness of what Jesus Christ would do on the cross is seen in both the goats. You see, the blood of the first goat was sprinkled on the ark, ritually appeasing the wrath of God for one more year. The second goat removed the sins of the people into the wilderness where they were forgotten and no longer clung and hovered to the people. You see, in this one moment, what Christ did, the act of appeasing the wrath of God followed up with the act of atoning the sin and removing it from the sinner. Christ completed both on the cross. So the year of Jubilee, the ram's horn would be blown, whatever it sounded like, probably a lot cooler than that. They would blow the horn, and everybody knew this is the year of Jubilee, the day of atonement. This is the day that everything gets wiped out. We get a fresh start. So let me just break down a couple of things for you. The year of Jubilee involved a year of release from indebtedness. Leviticus chapter 25 says a lot about that. And all types of bondage. I'll read verse 10. And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his clan. You see what would happen in the year of jubilee is it was not only about um, property being restored to people because what had happened in those years leading up in those 49 years People would have to sell their property in order to make payment on different things, or they would have to give up their family land and that kind of stuff. People would have to be sell themselves into servitude, some sort of slavery service to others because they needed to make ends meet. That's what they had to do. And so at every 50 years, what God declared was, guess what? 
No matter what they've done, no matter if they sold themselves into servitude a year ago or 40 years ago, no matter when that land traded, in year 50, I will restore and make all things new. No matter what you've done, from the worst to the little, the people had a debt of $10 million to 20 bucks, it's all wiped. It is all restored. You get a fresh start to now move forward. So it wasn't so generationally, cyclically impoverished or broken down. There was an opportunity to start over with a new generation. All the prisoners and the captives who had sold themselves into slavery or servitude, they were set free. They were released. It was the law. On that day, that ram's horn blew, and it was, I'm out of here. Peace out. All debts were forgiven. All property was returned to its original owners. In addition, this year of Jubilee, all labor was to cease for one year. Now we're like, hey, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Jubilee. Tyler, are you saying I don't have to go to work for a year? No, we're going to apply certain parts of Jubilee. But if you don't work for a year, you're probably going to get fired. So I don't control that. We're not run just by God's commands around here, unfortunately. So all the labor was seized for one year. And all the labor contracts people had agreed to, they were released from them. The powerful thing is that not only were people released, but at the same time, the year of Jubilee, what God said was that both the land and the people are to enter into my rest. It was both and. They weren't supposed to work the land that year. We're going to give the land a break. And we're going to give the people a break. We're going to celebrate. We're going to create space. Remove all the normal things. Say, not only are you free, not only are you forgiven, but for the next year, rest. Let the land rest. You rest. That All that weightedness of all the debts you owe. I mean, guys, we know what it feels like to have financial pressure. Everybody in this room. And if you don't, it's coming. Money's real. You don't have to like it, but you got to use it. But it's real. Financial pressures are what send people spiraling. It's what causes divorces. It's what leads to suicides. It is brutal. The weight of the financial stuff is brutal. I've seen it in my own life with people, with dear friends that have crumbled underneath it. And that's just on the money side. That's just on the stuff you owe. It is brutal. So for God to come in and say, guess what? Free and clear. You are free. You're released. It's like, what? I mean, can you imagine the joy, the celebration that was happening the year of Jubilee? And what's also cool is that people knew it was coming. They knew, right? So like, let's say they had been stuck for 10 years in servitude or their family land had been sold off and they had nothing. But they knew, hey, we can hold on. We can endure. We can persevere. Jubilee is coming. I would argue Jubilee is associated to Maranatha. Hey, we can endure. I've endured some mocking, some persecution, some challenges. It's tough to follow Jesus with the work that I am, with the school I'm at, the situation I'm in. It's been challenging, but he's coming. There's a Jubilee coming. And when that Jubilee comes, there's going to be rest, no more work, and all that pain, all those tears, all that stuff, that's gone. It's a time to celebrate. See, the Jubilee presented this beautiful picture of the New Testament theme of redemption and forgiveness. Romans 8, 2. 
For the law, the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Again, in Galatians 5.1, Paul writes, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I've set you free. Now don't go back. Do you see it? It's like when you come to the saving relationship in Jesus Christ, what he is saying is, repent of your sins, come to me, let me cleanse you. Now don't go back. Let's go forward. That's why when we baptize people, you were buried with him in baptism. You go underwater, kaboom, you are dead there and that, and then you raise to walk, a newness of life. There's a resurrection. And then I always look at those people or I pray over them and said, there is no going back. You are new. You are changed. This is different. This is, that's the old you. It's in the water. It's drowned. It's dead. It's gone. This is the new you. And I'm telling you time and time again, I've seen that in people's lives, in my own life. When you take Jesus seriously, like he is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Almighty God that cares about the varicose vein and he cares about everything else, when you approach Jesus like that, when you take him serious at his word, he is faithful to fulfill it. When you take Jesus as a joke or as a side gig or as an option, there is no power. Many Americans do not experience the power of Christ because he is an option, not the solution. When he is, a, when he is the only solution, all bets are off. It's in. It's this or nothing. It has to happen or else. But we have so many options. We, Jesus, I need you to come through. But if you don't, don't worry about that. Jesus, I need you to come through. But if you don't, I, I got my buddy here. It's cool. Guys, we're all tempted to do that. That's one reason why we're doing this fast. Let's create space. Say, God, where have I become dependent and reliant upon all the other stuff? And it puts you as an afterthought. Or, hey, I'll give you one day a week. That's a lot, Jesus. That's like 15 to 20%. I mean, that's... I'll give you Sunday. That's cool. I might even give you a few hours Wednesday night. I'll give you that too. Like we're doing him a favor or something. Man, when we see for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to yoke of slavery. I just want to say during this fast, what I'm believing and praying for is freedom. And we're going to get into just a minute, but specifically freedom from addiction for people. If you have an addiction to something, if it's binge watching Netflix, if it's caffeine, if it's pornography, if it's uh, comparing yourself images on social media, if it's habitually lying, if it's manipulation, I could go through all the sorts of sins that are listed in the Bible, there's a whole lot of them. Anything you are addicted to, I was like to say, you can be addicted to one person, Jesus, that's it. That's a healthy addiction. Everything else is unhealthy. You know what I mean? That's what I want. Oh, man, what if the people of God watching freedom? What are you addicted to? One thing. What's that? Jesus. Oh, wow. What else? Nothing else. Just him. And I'm free. I'll have a Dr. Pepper. I'll have a cup of coffee. And if I don't, I'm fine. I'm not throwing a fit. Right? I I can work out today or not tomorrow. I'm okay. It's good. I can have baked cookies and I can not have them. It's fine. I can check social media. I cannot check it. You see, that's what God wants to, 
it's, it's just like everything else. We're not to be addicted or abuse it. We can have it and enjoy it. We're not going to strip it down and be monks in some, I don't know, castle thing and isolate ourselves for years and bless you if that's you. But we're going to live in community and live in relationship. But we can't, we can't, we got to be, Jesus has got to be first. First, first. That's where he's got to be. If he's there, everything else is okay. It's secondary. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's when you get the religion out of your system. Right? Religion's still looking for the line. Did I cross that line? Am I okay? What about just one toe in? My rest of my body's on this side, but a little unrighteousness. No big deal, right? Just most of it is the 80-20 rule. Was it? It's no, it's all or nothing. It's I want to be here. There's the line. Okay, good. There's the line. Perfect. There's the line. Now I'm 42. At 75, I'm way over here. I don't even know where the line is. It's so far away from me. Because I'm wanting to walk in holiness and purity and righteousness and be sanctified because Christ set me free from slavery. Slavery is over that line. That's where it is. And if you play with fire, you're going to get burned. Okay, my son literally got burned yesterday because he didn't properly light the fire the way he should have. You know, you turn the gas on while you have it lit. Just everybody out there in case this is you. When you turn the gas on, you better have a match going. Not gas. He's okay. It's good. You know what I'm saying? You got to be smart. Okay? Don't play with fire like that. Right? But you don't know God's word. You're going to do that. You're going to get yourself killed. You're going to get hurt. You say, oh, how do I properly approach things in life? God has told me. He's given my boundary lines fall for me in pleasant places. I like that boundary. That's a good boundary, Jesus. I'm not restricted. That's actually very healthy. That's going to keep me safe. Just like dad telling my son, don't do that. I love you. I don't want you to burn and melt. Don't do it like that. Thank you, dad. I know that you love me and you have my best in mind. Absolutely, son. So do it this way and it'll go well for you. And we'll still have a warm, cozy fire. But when we go our own way, it gets really weird and you get hurt and it hurts people that you love. We are not going to submit again to Yoke of Slavery Church. I'm believing that. So if you haven't jumped in this fast, you're here's your first Sunday. Welcome. But this is what we're doing. We are in the freedom business. We're not in the church growth business. We ain't in the let's just look good business. We don't. Half of us don't look good. Let be real. Put myself in that category, okay? But you know what? God didn't really care about that. Jesus was meek. We're just trying to be Jesus people. He didn't look the greatest either, so we are in line with Jesus. He's going to look real good when he returns, though. Trust me, he's going to look real good. Then I'm running out of time here. i got to get going. Here we go. What if we really looked at this year as a jubilee year? You know, Hebrews 4, 9 through 10 says, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from him. What is he meaning? Um, We're no longer slaves to sin. We've been freed by Christ. Therefore, we can truly enter into the rest God provides for us by ceasing to labor for his acceptance and approval. 
Their resting is not any, I just sit around and wait for God to return. Don't misconstrue that. Their resting is, I don't, it's not a works-based faith. I don't have to work for my salvation. I don't have to earn it. It's like, he's done it for me. <laughs> That's the rest. Colossians 3, 12 through 13 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Guys, I'm believing that with Jubilee, that if we will press into this realm of freedom this year and believe God, I believe he's going to set us free from these addictions and their pieces so that we can be ignited to be a people moving with him. But where I want to end today is um, with forgiveness. If the year of Jubilee is about forgiving and wiping out debts, even really big ones, and restoring the people, as I prayed, just said, Lord, we need to do that here. We need to release the debts people owe against us. We need to let them off the hook. We need to not hold on to that bitterness, that pain. And I'm guessing that most of us have some of those, if not a lot of those, that we really need to let go again of because Christ has set us free. You know, in Matthew 18, 21, 22, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Peter, I don't say to you seven times, but 77 times. The implication is you got to keep forgiving, Peter. They're going to keep hurting. You got to keep forgiving. Because if not, then you're asking for Jesus to put a stop on you. Matthew 6, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive yours. That's harsh, but that's real. If you are not willing to forgive others, there is a question there as to the forgiveness that you can receive. And those are the words of Jesus. Which means the implication is, I'm not really sure you really were forgiven by Christ because those who are, their hearts are changed to where they're able to release, forgive others. Does it make any sense? That's the difference between real religion and relationship. That real relationship says, Lord, wow, thank you for giving me. I've got to let them go. And I'm not saying it's easy, man. There's some hard stuff that has happened in my life. I know in your life. And it's hard to let them go. But bitterness and the past pain is like a poison that continues to move throughout your system if you don't deal with it. I'm the only person I know that can surgically remove that poison is Jesus. I want us to stand as we close. Just going to read this one passage in Genesis chapter 50. You remember the story of Joseph and his brothers who sold him into slavery. They left him for dead. He goes off to Egypt, spends most of his life in Egypt second in command and Pharaoh and totally left abandoned by his family. There's no telling the pain, the tears, the isolation, 
the orphan feeling, the abandonment that he felt, not just from his brothers, but his entire family. And here's how Genesis, the first book of the Bible, the last chapter, here's how Genesis 50 ends. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am in the place, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Maybe one of the most powerful displays in world history of forgiveness. But not just forgiveness. But then it says he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Wow. So here's what I want to do. I'm just going to take a moment as we go into our last song. I just want you to be willing to ask the Lord right now. Say, Lord, is there anybody, is there anyone that I need to extend forgiveness to? Lord, I want to experience this year of Jubilee, but I can't do that if I hold on to the past the pain. And this is real hurt, real pain. So Lord, I just invite you right now, Spirit of God, come. Highlight for us who do we need to let go? Who do we need to release and forgive? Truly forgive this morning. I just want you to take a moment and highlight that. Pray that through with the Lord. Close and worship this morning.